0: We welcome you all to worship this morning, especially those who are visiting with us. May we be blessed under the Word of God today. And as we gather for worship, we hear the Lord's call to worship come to us from Psalm 30, the first four verses. I will extol thee, O Lord, for thou hast lifted me up and hast not made my foes to rejoice over me. O Lord, my God! I cried unto thee, and thou hast healed me. O Lord, thou hast brought up my soul from the grave. Thou hast kept me alive, that I should not go down to the pit. Sing unto the Lord, O ye his saints of his, and give thanks at the remembrance of his holiness. We'll actually begin reading Jonah 1, verse 17. And read to the end of Jonah 2. Now the Lord had prepared a great fish to swallow up Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Then Jonah prayed unto the Lord his God out of the fish's belly and said, "I cried by reason of my affliction unto the Lord, and He heard me. Out of the belly of hell cried I, and Thou heard me, my voice. For Thou hadst cast me into the deep, into the midst of the seas; the floods compassed me about, all Thy billows and Thy ways passed over me. Then I said, I am cast out of Thy sight; yet I will look again." For thy holy temple, the waters compassed me about, even to my soul, the depth closed me round about, the weeds were wrapped about my head. I went down to the bottom of the mountains, the earth with her bars was about me forever. Yet hast thou brought up my life from corruption, O Lord. My God, when my soul fainted within me, I remembered the Lord, and my prayer came in unto thee, into thine holy temple, that they that observe lying vanities forsake their own mercy. But I will sacrifice unto thee with the voice of thanksgiving. I will pay that I have vowed salvation, is of the Lord. And the Lord spake unto the fish, and it vomited out Jonah upon the dry land. So far the reading of God's holy word. Dear church family, several weeks ago we left off our studies in the book of Jonah. And as we as we concluded the last sermon Children you will remember we saw Jonah being thrown overboard into that stormy sea Remember remember why Jonah was where he was at the disobedient servant of the Lord One who with intentional disobedience was running from the presence of the Lord, from the call that the Lord had given to him. He knew where he was going. He had went to Joppa to find a ship. He knew how to get there. He had made the necessary arrangements. And now... We saw him sitting in the bottom of that ship fast asleep. He did so as it were, almost with this serene sense of calm and peace. Everything seemed to be going according to plan. But you will also remember as we consider chapter chapter one the that the Lord would not let his disobedient servant persist in his disobedience, but he pursued him, and he found him in the ship in the midst of the Mediterranean Sea. He found him in a place where he could not run. He found him in a place where he would testify to who his God was, even to Gentile Gentile sailors. He found him in a place where even as he was being found out, Jonah continued to persist in his disobedience, acknowledging that he was here, the storm was because of the Lord, but we have not read thus far of Jonah confessing his sin. Jonah had not come to the realization that he was missing out from the very presence of God because of his actions, that he was apart from his Lord, and that in his current current walk, path, he he was without hope. He was approaching a disastrous end, an end that he knew was coming, For he had said to the sailors, if the storm is going to go away, throw me overboard. Instead of hearing him call on the Lord, falling upon his knees, confessing his sins, repenting of what he had done, Jonah rather desired to persist in his disobedience. He would not go to Nineveh. And so the sailors had tossed him overboard. And the last we saw of Jonah, the last those sailors saw of Jonah was him slipping beneath those waves, those billows. Oh yes, the storm stopped. But where was Jonah? In Hebrews 12, verse 2, we read that Jesus, who is the author and finisher of Faith, the one who begins the work of faith in the hearts and lives of sinners is the same one who, who will bring it to perfection and completion. Who will accomplish his good work of salvation in the lives of his people. And he will do this with Jonah. At times... As the Lord deals with his people as they persist in sin and disobedience, there are times where he has to set them apart set them apart to bring them to the point in their lives where where they will utter will acknowledge their utter hopelessness in themselves, but also then confess by faith that their only hope is in him in the Lord God alone to experience his deliverance, to draw, he does, and as he does this, as he sets his people apart at times, he draws them to himself in faith-filled prayer. So this morning, we want to consider Jonah chapter 2, set apart. Jonah is being set apart to pray, to confess his utter helplessness, and to confess his his only hope. Children, the, the story of Jonah is such a captivating and astonishing story on so many levels. We have this disobedient servant who had the audacity to run from the Lord's call in his life. We have this great storm that the Lord hurled, cast at Jonah in the middle of the Mediterranean Sea and sought him out. We have this Achan-like uncovering of Jonah in the midst of the storm as they cast lots. We have this incredible confession of Jonah to the sailors and yet did not affect him personally. Sinclair Ferguson said, Jonah would rather die than go to Nineveh. And then we see this astonishing solution for the quieting of the storm. Throw me overboard. And now this morning we come to another astonishing, captivating. The Lord had prepared a great fish to swallow up Jonah. Now Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. The Lord was not done with his servant. The Lord in his mercy and compassion continued to pursue Jonah. He was not finished with him, and he would continue to reach out to him and to set him apart, calling him to repentance and faith, to teach him, More about himself, but also more about who his God was. And he was going to do this by bringing Jonah into a place where there was nowhere to go but to the Lord. And so Jonah sends this great fish to swallow up Jonah. Jonah. We can only imagine what was happening to Jonah in his head and his mind as he was being as as he hit that water as he began to sink, and then the next moment this large fish coming and swallowing him up. We can only imagine what was going through his mind as he entered the stomach of that fish surrounded by the the fluids of the stomach and other fish that were in the, in the belly. It was dark. It was gross. It stank. But it was here that Jonah was being sought out by the Lord and found by Him. Now we could spend a lot of time focusing on the fish, but we would miss out on the point of the passage. The greater miracle. I'd like to know what kind of fish it is, children. I'm sure you speculated on that. What kind of fish was this? How is it possible for a man, a grown man, to enter into the stomach of a fish? How could you survive there for three days and three nights? What was it like? But if we spend our time here, we're going to miss out on what the Lord is really teaching us. The greater miracle that God was and continued to be to and was willing to have dealings with this stubborn, rebellious servant of the Lord. That God was not just working in the stomach of the fish, but was working in the heart of a man and that the Lord continues to be in the business of heart transformation, in the business of changing hearts and lives of sinners here today. So, is there someone here this morning who, maybe like Jonah, is persisting in disobedience? that the Lord is, as it were, setting apart this morning to have dealings, heart dealings with you. Sometimes the Lord does this through physically setting us apart for a time. Maybe it's on a sickbed, a deathbed, an extended hospital stay. Maybe it's through financial troubles, challenges in your life. Maybe it's through relationship troubles, difficulties. Maybe in your marriage or with your parents or with your children, with friends. Maybe it's through workplace troubles, the loss of employment, challenges in the workplace. And maybe it isn't even something physical. But the Lord has spiritual dealings with you where he brings you into a place in life where it's like nothing else matters. You must be made right with the Lord. Even as the rest of the world races on, it seems like the only thing that's important right now is where am I in my relationship with God? Feels like you're about to sink to succumb to the depths and the billows of the wrath of God against your sin. Maybe you've never repented and believed. But yet you've experienced the convictions of sin in the past. And in the past, you've been able to deflect them, push them under, ignore them, Maybe even now, you have in some sense, that's where you're at. You don't want the Lord's dealings with you, but yet he persists. Calls you to come to him. When God begins, he will continue. He will bring you to himself in one way or another to the place where you will bend the knee in prayer, and with prayers of confession, with the acknowledgement of your sins, with the exclamation exclamation of your only hope to be found in him alone. Or maybe you're a dear child of God, one who has known in times past the Lord's precious dealings with you, But now it's cold, it's dry, and maybe like Jonah, you are persisting in disobedience in one way or another. Backsliding. At one time, maybe fruitful and useful in the kingdom, but now not so much. At one time, you knew the joy and communion of the Lord. But now it's cold. No communion. And you have your excuses. Like Jonah had his. Friend, if this is you, know that the Lord will never allow his servant, his people, to continue to persist in their disobedience, but he will bring them into a place where they will turn to him. For Jonah, it was in the lowest place, a place where there was nowhere else to go. He had to go to the Lord. He had to turn to him. He had to confess that there was absolutely no hope in himself. And so as Jonah enters this fish's belly, we find him describing his utter hopelessness, his utter helplessness. He describes it vividly for us. Verse 2, he says, out of the belly of hell. That word hell there could could be translated grave, which is more likely out of the belly of the grave. Jonah was anticipating death. He was anticipating this place to be his grave. It was only a matter of time before he died. It was like he was buried alive. From a human standpoint, no way out. In verse 3, we read him describing the the scenario. He had been cast into the deep, into the midst of the seas. The floods compassed me about. All thy billows and thy ways passed over me. Death and destruction were inevitable from Jonah's perspective he'd been cast into the into the water and maybe he tried to swim to the surface to get a, gra- a breath of air only to be have the next wave come crashing over him again he says in verse 5 the waters encompassed me about even to my soul, even to the soul, even to the point of consuming my life. Children, maybe you've been in a situation where you've been swimming and you've been, maybe you went fairly deep and you, you needed air. You needed oxygen and you were swimming towards the surface. Jonah was sinking down, down, and there was no possibility of air. Life seemed to be over. The depth, he says in verse 5, closed me around. The weeds wrapped around my head. Just picture him either in the belly of the fish or down at the bottom, the, the seaweed enclosing around, suffocating him. I went down, he says in verse 6, to the bottoms of the mountain. The earth with her bars was about me forever. He anticipated that this was the end. The Lord was breaking Jonah. Breaking him of his independence, breaking him of his disobedience, breaking him of his self-sufficiency. Jonah was descending further and further down. We note this downward spiral. This word down occurs a few times in the first two chapters. Jonah 1, verse 3, we read, in his disobedience, he went down to Joppa. He went down into the ship. He went down into the sides of the ship. And now in chapter 2, verse 6, he says, I went down. Down to the bottoms. Jonah was hitting rock bottom. There was nowhere else to go. Locked in this watery grave, it was here that he cried to the Lord. It was here that the first glimmers of hope began to shine. One commentator writes, but not until he was all the way down, finally stripped of his buoyant self sufficiency, was deliverance possible. Friend, what will it take for you to come to the Lord? How far will the Lord bring you and allow you to go down before you will bend your knees and repent and come to him? How long or how to what depths will it take before you see that there is no hope in yourself? Uh, You are utterly helpless to do anything for yourself. How long will it take or what will it take to have you come to an end of your own abilities, to an end of your own strength, to the end of your own self-righteousness? Have you? Have you seen that in and of yourself you are nothing? That apart from God's grace, you too will perish Not only did Jonah describe his current hopelessness and helplessness, he also, he also saw that it was the Lord bringing, bringing him to this point. Verse 3 says, For thou hast cast me into the deep. In chapter 1, we read that the sailors had cast him, but here Jonah says it wasn't the sailors. It was the Lord who brought me here. I am cast, he says, out of thy sight. Verse 3, he says, all thy billows and thy ways passed over me. Jonah saw the storm, he saw the billowing ways, that they were from the Lord. They were the Lord's sent to bring him to this place, to set him apart. And Jonah finds himself, because of the Lord's mercy in his life, in a place of despair, in a place of loneliness. In a place where he felt totally abandoned, cast out of thy sight, locked in what what seemed to be his watery grave, Believing that he was about to die, that there was no hope, my soul fainted in me. Jonah was like giving up hope in himself. Friend, have you ever come to see yourself as utterly hopeless and helpless? Have you told the Lord this? Have you, like Jonah, by reason of the affliction that the Lord has placed on you, poured out your present condition? Acknowledging who you are, helpless and hopeless, lost. Telling him about the sins that are weighing you down, sinking you down. Sins of unbelief, wretched unbelief. Sins of maybe blatant disobedience. Maybe sins of evil lusts and thoughts. Sins of pride and selfishness. Sins of numbing drunkenness or angry words or idle worship. Sins of continued rejection of the gospel, the free offer of the gospel. Sins of all sorts, thoughts, words, and deeds all of which continue to separate us from the Lord and keep us from his presence, knowing his mercies and that will, if not repented of, will sink us into the depths of hell. Sins, if unforgiven, if not repented of, will lock us out of the Lord's, the Lord's presence and his mercy. But it's not just enough to, to see our sins for what they are. Not a, it's not enough to sense our utter hopelessness and helplessness. But friend, where does it drive you? You can feel the, the weight and the sense of what you're doing is wrong. You can feel that you're hopeless and helpless in yourself. But friend, where does it drive you? Who do you go to for help? Jonah went to the Lord, his God. Jonah turned to the Lord, his God, despite of his sin, despite of his disobedience, despite of his rebellion, despite of his running from the Lord, despite of his descent downward and downward and downward. He went to the Lord. He went to his God. In the midst of his hopelessness he turns to the one who is his only hope and acknowledges that. Being swallowed by the fish the first thing we read of Jonah doing is turning to the Lord in prayer. He anticipated death by drowning but the Lord had prepared a or appointed, the word prepared there could be translated as appointed, appointed a great fish to swallow him up. Given this reprieve, Jonah turns to the Lord in prayer. Then Jonah prayed unto the Lord his God. Having been set apart by the Lord in the belly of the fish, Jonah prays. He turns to the Lord, his God, his only hope. He turns to his covenant-keeping God, the one who made covenant with his people, with Jonah, and who will not let it be broken. He turns to the Lord, the one who knew Jonah, who loved him and had saved him and would deliver him. He turns to the Lord, his God, Who, as he had confessed, had not only hurled the storm at him, but had cast him into the sea so that he could find him, to uncover him. Jonah turns to him and cries from this place of just despair, what seemed like was going to be his future grave, and he prays to the Lord. And in verse 7 we read, and Jonah remembers, remembered the Lord. And in particular, he remembers what the Lord has said. For the words of Scripture actually form the basis of this entire prayer, the basis of his hope in the midst of death. As Jonah prays, he calls to mind various verses of the psalm there's actually eight or nine different psalms that we could turn to and find verses that the uh, that Jonah is in particularly re- referring to we think from, from verse uh, verse 2 where we read and he said I cry by reason of my affliction unto the lord and he heard my and he heard me out of the belly of hell or the grave he cried I and thou heardest me We could turn to places like Psalm 118, verse 5, where we read the psalmist praying, I called upon the Lord in my distress or affliction, and the Lord answered me and set me in a large place. Or Psalm 120, verse 1, in my distress I cried unto the Lord and he heard me. Or in verse 3, we read where Jonah says, For thou hast cast me into the de- deep, into the midst of the seas, and the floods compass me about, and all thy billows and thy ways passed over me. We turn to Psalm 42, verse 7, where the psalmist cries out, Deep calleth unto deep, the no- at the noise of thy waterspouts, All thy ways and thy billows are gone over me. Or from verse 4, we could turn to Psalm 31, verse 22. For I said in my haste, I am cut off from before thine eyes. Nevertheless, thou heardest me with the voice of my supplication when I cried unto thee. And even though he had been cast from the the sight of the Lord, he prays with confidence with the psalmist's expectation from Psalm 5, verse 7. But as for me, I will come into thy house in the multitude of thy mercy, and in thy fear will I worship toward thy holy temple. Again and again, Jonah is going to the Psalms and bringing them back to the Lord, his God, in in prayer. He's going to the Psalms that describe his very condition and trouble. But also goes to the Psalms that offer him his only hope in the midst of his affliction. Where do you turn to in the midst of your afflictions, your troubles, your despair? Is it to the Word of God? Do you take the Lord's words back to him? pleading on him, using his own words to describe your present condition and and difficulties, but also using his word to to echo your desires, your hope, your expectation. Maybe you're not in a time of trouble or affliction right now. But friend, a lesson we learn from Jonah is, are we preparing for times of trouble By bringing this word into our hearts and our minds so that we can recall it when we need it. Remember, Jonah was in the belly of the fish. He couldn't take his Bible and pull it out and and read it, as it were. He had to remember it, he had to recall it to mind. But the only way he could have done that is if the word of God had been placed in his heart and mind to begin with. So, friends, we need to be we need to be in the word regularly, meditating on it, remembering it, putting it into practice so that it becomes part of who we are, the way we think and respond. So that when we too, like Jonah, come into a situation where we don't have the privilege of being able to open up the word, we can recall the word and turn back to him in prayer. Jonah turns to the Lord. He turns to the Lord with anticipation and expectation. And there's four particular things that Jonah is hoping for and expecting by faith. The first thing that he expects, that he trusts and believes will Will take place is that he will be heard. Verse two, we read: "I cried, and he heard me; out of the belly of hell cried I, and thou heard my voice." Verse seven, and my prayer came into thy in unto thee into thy holy temple. Jonah believed. That his prayer from the depths of the sea, from the belly of this fish, were heard. Even before deliverance came, before he understood that he would hit dry land again, he believed that the Lord had heard his cry. And he trusted and anticipated that he would also be in the presence of the Lord Which is our second thing that Jonah anticipated and trusted and believed. That although he had been cast out of his sight, although he had run from the Lord's presence, he would one day rejoice in the presence of the Lord again and know the fellowship of his God. Twice Jonah confesses this. In verse 4 and then in verse 7, he says... My prayer came in unto thy in unto thee, into thy holy temple, From being the man of God who had went from the presence of the Lord, which we read actually two times in Jonah one verse three. Now two more times, Jonah confesses that he will be back in the presence of the Lord. He anticipates Communion and fellowship with his God once again, and why can he anticipate this? Why can he know and be have fellowship with the Lord as God again? Well, he anticipated deliverance. This is Jonah's third expectation he anticipated the lord's gracious deliverance verse 6 expresses this so beautifully i went to the down to the bottoms of the mountains the earth with her bars was about me forever it's like there's no hope and yet the very next words yet yet hast thou brought up my life from corruption o lord my god Jonah says, Thou hast brought up my life. Children, where was he still at this point? He was still in the belly of the fish. And yet, with confidence, with expectation, he believes that he will be brought up out of this, out of this place. And Jonah concludes his prayer also with this beautiful Summary, which is a summary of this entire book, salvation is of the Lord. Jonah had come to realize that salvation was totally from the Lord for him, for the sailors, for Nineveh, for any sinner. And here he was in the depths, trusting that, the, that and believing that salvation, his salvation, was coming. It was going to come from the Lord alone. Jonah Jonah, and we, too, need to realize that salvation is of the Lord alone, from Jesus Christ alone. And Jonah, with confidence, believed this, even before he saw it. And this is so often the case. As the Lord comes and deals with us, he, he calls us to take him at his word, to trust him, to believe him, even though we may not experience the sense of deliverance or the full assurance of deliverance even when we don't have the conscious sense of that saving work in our lives we're called to take the lord at his word even when we don't have the sense of full assurance that he is mine and i am his yet we believe by faith that he is able to save to the uttermost even me, a, a sinful human being, a self-serving, selfish person like like myself, salvation is of the Lord, friend. It's only in Him that you're going to find salvation. It's only because of Jesus because he was thrown under the wrath of Almighty God, under the ways of the Lord's wrath against sin, because Jesus suffered and died on the cross, because he was buried and rose again on that third day, because he walked again on this earth and rose again to sit at his Father's right hand, that we can believe and our faith is not in vain because Jesus is a life? Have you trusted in him? Have you leaned on him alone, the one who, who, who can give hope in the midst of your hopelessness? Jonah anticipated deliverance. And he anticipated the the possibility again of being not only in the presence of the Lord, not only of deliverance, but also of future service in the Lord's kingdom. He anticipated being found useful and fruitful again. We read read this in verses 8 and 9. In verse 8, Jonah confesses, They they that observe lying vanities, and this expression, lying vanities, observing lying vanities, could be translated as they that worship idols. He says, they that observe lying vanities forsake their own mercy. Jonah, as he sat in this belly of the fish for three days and three nights, no doubt reflected on what he had done. How he had heard the Lord's call to go to Nineveh. How he had rejected that call and ran his own way. And reflecting on it, reflecting on the Lord's call for him to go to Nineveh, that great city, a city filled with many people, many, as he will later describe, people who, who did not know their right hand from their left hand, a people who were serving lying vanities, Worshipping idols, a people who are in great need of mercy. Mercy that he believed he would be shown. Mercy that all mortal men need to know if it's going to be well with them. As he reflects on this and seeing how the Lord had shown him mercy and was believed he would be shown mercy, He reflects and says, they, and I think he's referring to the people of Nineveh, those Ninevites who observe lying vanities, who worship worship idols, forsake their mercy. And how are they going to know mercy unless it is told them? Sinclair Ferguson commenting on this says, Jonah, who had formerly despised the ungodly of heart, had now seen God's judgment on his own ungodly heart and had learned compassion. Now that he too had felt despair and known what it was to be far from God, the Ninevites must must have appeared to him in a new light. They were no longer a heathen enemy, but... Immortal men under God's judgment and in need of hearing his warning voice. Beloved, when we have have known something of God's mercy and grace in our lives, even when we did not deserve it, should we not also be a people like Jonah who desire to go out to those who don't have the gospel, to share the good news to those who are steeped in serving themselves and stir- serving lying vanities. Jonah's mentality before was they weren't worthy of the gospel. But the Lord had changed his perspective. The Lord had brought him into a place to see that he was no different from the Gentile world. And friends, we are no different from those around us. Those that live on Crescent Street, the surrounding neighborhood, or on the streets of where your home is found. Who continue to go on in, in life, maybe not even having heard the gospel But Jonah had come to recognize that he had been one who had been running from God, who had come to sense his absence, his own bankruptcy, his own wretched condition, had come to know that he had been one who also was spurning the grace of God. And in the process of the Lord's dealings with him and setting setting him apart, He was being molded, shaped, conformed into the image, into the servant of the Lord that the Lord wanted and would use to send him to Nineveh. But not only did Jonah see the need that existed in the world that he lived in, but in verse 9 we read that he he says, I will sacrifice unto thee with the voice of thanksgiving. I will pay What I have vowed. Jonah pledged to give himself as a living sacrifice, which was his reasonable service. He would do so with a voice of thanksgiving. He would keep, he would pay his vow. Exactly what this vow was, we don't know. We're not told. But Jonah committed, committed to fulfilling it out of thankfulness for the, what the Lord was going to do for him. Jo, Jonah commits to being useful and fruitful in the kingdom of God. But what about you and I? Do we live with faith? Do we live with faith-filled expectation and anticipation? Do we believe that the Lord will hear our prayers? Even though we cannot, at the present, see the answers to them? Even though at the present moment we may feel alone in the dark, lacking a sense maybe of God's presence. And maybe we with the psalmist cry, how long, Lord? How long? And even though we, we can't, do we, do we believe? Do we take God's words back to him? Do we, do we remember like Jonah did, remembering the word, taking hold by faith, believing that he will fulfill his own word. Do we with anticipation long for and expect communion and fellowship with the Lord our God once again in this life, but in, the, in glory as well, where we will see him face to face. Do we pray with Jonah, I will look again to thy holy temple? Do we with anticipation and expectation believe that the Lord will save and deliver us? Knowing that salvation is of the Lord. It has nothing to do with who you are or who I am. Do we with anticipation, with faith, despite of the circumstances, despite of our sins, despite of our unbelief, are we able to say with Jonah, Thou hast brought up my life from corruption, O Lord, my God. For there will be a day, friend, when faith will be turned to sight when there will be a conscious sense of the Lord's presence and his deliverance. For Jonah came on that third day as the fish vomited him onto dry land. Do we also with expectation, anticipation, also look forward forward And expect to be used by the Lord in His service, in His kingdom. Being found fruitful and useful in the lives of our family members, children, to our parents, grandparents, to our co workers or employers, to our neighbors. To those whom the Lord places in our path of life, do we, with Paul, desire to be to be to present our bodies as living sacrifices, which are pleasing, acceptable, and pleasing in His sight? Which is our reasonable service? Paul says. Or are you still running? Still running from the word, from the Lord? from his calls and commands on your life. Friend, when will you see that salvation is of the Lord alone? When will you see that your pursuit of lying vanities will will leave you empty and hopeless? When will you turn to the God of the Scriptures who is worthy to be served What will it take to get you there? For Jonah was a storm and a great fish. What will it be for you? Or will you continue to spurn his mercies and his grace till you leave this earth? Amen. Amen. Lord, we are thankful for a word from the the word of God that we can turn to, that can be and is the only hope and basis for our hope and salvation. Lord, we're thankful that salvation is of the Lord, the Lord alone. Lord, we pray that we, like Jonah, even in the midst of our difficulties, or challenges, would, by faith, with anticipation and with expectation, believe that the Lord our God is one who hears the cries of all those who come to him in faith. That he is the one who delivers and saves. He's the one who brings into Communion and fellowship, once again, he is the one who makes us useful and fruitful in the kingdom of God. And Lord, we pray that we would, with anticipation and expectation, have our eyes fixed on the Lord Jesus Christ, the one who bore the ways of God's wrath, who was, as it were, cast to death, into the grave for three days and three nights, who rose again, who sits at the right hand of the Father, to the one who we can come to for our only hope and our salvation. Amen.